Hey friends, and welcome to the Friends of a Feather podcast. I'm your host, Wren, and I'm so glad you're joining me today. I pray that this is the place where you will feel encouraged by hearing God's stories from my friends that I share. Every time you download an episode of the Friends of a Feather podcast, I want for you to feel seen by God, to feel encouraged in your daily life, and be spurred on to honor Him with the gifts and talents He has given you. If this is the first time you've tuned in, or if you've been joining in for a while, you are welcome here, friend. It's episode 84, and my guest is Jen Schmidt. I have been a longtime reader of Jen's blog, Balancing Beauty and Bedlam. I also recently enjoyed reading her book, Just Open the Door, about biblical hospitality. She is so practical, and she offers so much wisdom. I knew I had to have her on the show. Jen is a wife, mom to five, blogger, writer, and speaker. On her blog, she shares all about beauty, home, and finances. She feels that home is a place to embrace both the beauty and bedlam in the everyday. I was so inspired from our conversation and really enjoyed getting a behind-the-scenes look in her story. But first, I want to say thank you to the sponsor of today's episode, Camp Empower. Camp Empower is a therapeutic, trauma-informed day camp designed to serve children with academic, relational, and emotional differences. Their desire is to encourage kids, equip parents, and empower families. Their struggles may be a variety of concerns from anxiety, attachment issues, behavioral and attention struggles, and possibly even trauma. At Camp Empower, children enjoy a variety of fun, age-appropriate activities that integrate principles of cognitive developmental therapy with behavioral, emotional, and sensory interventions. The program is driven by the power of the gospel and extensive research offering a bridge from frustration to hope. Join us in Birmingham, Alabama, June 24th through 28th, or in their new location in Cary, North Carolina, July 18th through the 20th. Apply now, though, as there are only two more weeks left for the deadline for the Birmingham camp. For more information or to apply, you can contact my friend Callie at callie.burgess at gmail.com or go to their website and click on the Camp Empower link at empower-ministries.com. Okay, let's get to today's episode with my guest, Jen Schmidt. Hey, Jen, welcome to the podcast. Hello, I'm so glad to be here. Yes, um, we have tried to schedule this for a few months now, and I am so thrilled that you are coming on the podcast today. So thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. I know, busy moms, right? right. It's hard to get things on that calendar and stick with it. <laughs> yeah, no, and you are very busy with your ministry and with your children, and springtime is just always busy. So I am just so excited to be able to talk to you today. Wonderful. All right. Well, um, I want to ask you a little bit about your family. We're going to kind of jump right in. Talk to me a little bit about your life, your family, who you are married to, your kids' ages, and talk about kind of what you do day to day. Okay, sure. Well, I am coming to you from my uh, thrift store painted table in yes. Kitchen in North Carolina. All right. <laughs> so, so you guys can kind of get an idea of what it looks like. There are piles of books and mismatched cups and some clothes, 
you know, laying on it. So just uh, to make sure we all know that there is nothing pretty out where I am sitting, but <laughs> one of my heartbeats in that is 10 years ago, I started my blog, Balancing Beauty in Bedlam. It was before I knew what a blog was or, you know, but I knew I was in the throes of mothering and I really wanted to be intentional about trying to dive deep in finding those moments of beauty that were hidden kind of underneath the bedlam of my everyday life. Mm. And so from that, at the time, we have five children, and um, I was just entering the teenage years with our eldest, and that was 10 years ago, so now, oh my goodness, he just turned 25, wow. and got married this last year, mm. and so I am entering this new season of life, and in my heart, I still feel like I'm that 25-year-old young yeah. mom. So, you know, but the we have three boys and two girls, so I've got we four and five years. So the for those of you who have little ones underfoot, I still feel like it was yesterday. So those were close. And then our baby, our baby girl gets ready to turn sixteen in two weeks. So oh, wow. I yeah, rounding out. Um mm. my husband Greg and I, we just celebrated our twenty-sixth um wedding anniversary. Wow. And yeah, so it's very exciting, and um, yeah, so that's just a little bit about background of my family. We're in North Carolina. We actually um, live on a lot of property, so I am a city girl, city girl born and raised okay. who kind of moved out to the country, um, and so we're doing a, a little bit of everything here. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of like me. I grew up in the city, and we're not on a lot of property, but a, a couple of acres, and so that's a whole new thing with make sure you wear boots out into the woods because, you know, snakes are coming out, you know. It's it's crazy. So, well, and I love that you mentioned balancing beauty and bedlam because I remember reading your blog years ago. Like, I'm talking, like, years ago when no blogging. Oh, so well, I didn't know and that. You know, I had my blog, and then, you know, on the right-hand side or maybe the left-hand side of each blog, you could put, like, here are more blogs that I read, and yeah, yours was yeah. one of them. Balancing Beauty and Bedlam was on there. I oh, remember oh, reading, and so I love that you are all about finding clothing and items frugally. Tell Absolutely. me about, I saw on Instagram recently, you got some wedges that were like, were they Clark's? They were, they so were Clark's. Are those not the cutest? They were yes, adorable. Were you I mean, they've barely been worn. I know some <sighs> people are, you know, they're grace on guilt off. So if you're not a big thrift store shopper, right. I totally get it. Right. And some people love thrift stores for home decor. But when I say I'm wearing secondhand shoes, they get all weird on me. Yeah. I have a whole yeah. post on that. But okay. uh, yeah, they were practically new. I have scored some really fun frugal fashionista finds lately, and so I'm I love it. it. <laughs> well, I love seeing them. I was like, oh my goodness, those are so cute, and you got them at Goodwill, yeah. right? I did. I yeah. did. And yeah. All, all Goodwills are not created equal, so I'm just going to put that it out there. for but. sure. You are right, because my mom is all about going to the Goodwill, finding stuff. Um, and I used to never, I was like, I am not stepping foot in there. Well, then she wore me down. And so now I find stuff. I find stuff for my uh -oh. son. I find stuff for me. I find yeah. it all. Yeah. It's just about kind of popping in and out regularly, yeah. just real quick, you yeah. know, because it's there. Everyone always says, I don't have the good thrift stores like you do. And mm -hmm. I kind of joke because my mission is to hit a thrift store in all 50 states. Oh, and I, just for fun. And so whenever I go to another state or if I'm traveling for speaking, I pop into the Goodwill just so that I can say, no, 
everybody has them. You just have to, you Uh, know, uh, look for the beauty amongst the bedlam. There you go. I love that. I love it so much. Okay. So I also want to chat with you a little bit about your conversation cards. Okay. So I posted uh, on Instagram about a month ago about, um, we were, I had been reading your book, Just Open the Door, that you had written and, um, in it, you had mentioned something about candles and having candles out and light some candles at dinner. It doesn't have to be fancy. You can have paper plates with pizza on them, but put the candles out. And so I did. My son, who's six, loved it. He loved it. And so we had these conversation cards that came in the kids' meal at Chick-fil-A, and he would give everybody one when people would come over. He would put it, you know, beside their plate. And we kept on running out because, I mean, like, we were going over the same ones over and over. I was like, oh, what am I going to do? So you commented on that post and you said, oh, I've got some conversation cards available on my blog for free. And I was like, what? And they are like, I went to your blog. I printed them out. They're like hundreds of them. I I love them. It's so fun. Well, here's the thing. We've been using, long before I had a blog, we started, you know, conversation starters, dinner, Mm -hmm. dinner, uh, questions, whatever you you want to call them, right. and like you mentioned with um, with the candles. Mm-hmm. Ever since our kids were little, my heart. I mean, we know as busy moms, we have to fight for family meal time, and I am yes. very. I am very intentional about kind of the table is hallowed ground. The table becomes mm-hmm. where you really build connection. And I know that in the midst of mothering, sometimes we are just trying to keep our heads above water. Yeah. And I get that. And even for me now, there's often times where it's five o'clock, witching hour, six o'clock, and mm-hmm. I, I have no idea what I'm going to serve for dinner, but I still want to gather. And with sports, it doesn't always happen, but we are pretty intentional about coming around the table. It might just be for dessert at nine o'clock or it might be for Saturday, you know, pancakes, but we try and come around the table at least, you know, five times. Mm. And so what I did is my dust bunnies can be everywhere. I can have laundry piled on the sofa. My, my soul can kind of feel very overwhelmed, but when I'm intentional around the table, whether it's box macaroni and cheese or frozen pizza, mm. the kids come to the table and we eat by candlelight. I mean, yeah. we have done that for 20 years. We eat by candlelight. and it, Every night? Yes. Well, whenever we're at the table. So okay. we don't always, when the kids were little, we, you know, were able to eat together every night. But as sports comes in, you know, sometimes it's maybe only three nights a week or four nights a week. But yes, every time we eat, I light my candle. And even now, the kids, you know, some of them are out of the house. Some of them are back from college. And one of them will come down at 11 o'clock and for, you know, for breakfast at 11, right? Mm, Yeah. Oh, yeah. I will even then, I will just light one little candle in front Mm. of his plate. And there's just something about that sets the tone in our heart when all of the rest of our day can kind of feel like it's spiraling out of control. We can create this small moment of respite by dimming the lights, lighting the candles, putting on some music in the background. And even if it's for five or 10 minutes, it changes everything. And so sometimes when I'm speaking on like building character and I mention the candlelight, some people will be like, well, you don't know my three-year-old, you know, he'll put his finger in the wax. (laughs) That's a whole different conversation, right? That's about child training. And you can do that starting, 
you know, it's a great teachable moment. And your kids can learn what they need to keep their fingers out of, including candles. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And there's some, if, and if you haven't trained them at this point, there's some really good ones at Dollar Tree you can, that are battery operated. There you, you go. Exactly. For now. And then get them trained to not touch that wax. Exactly. Uh, I love how you said in your book, I've, I've really enjoyed it. I have so many dog ears in your book and underline and highlights. Um, but I love how you said an open home, like an open table, is an overflow of an open heart. Tell me a little bit, kind of go back a little bit. What about your childhood, your own childhood, that led you to have such a heartbeat for hospitality? Growing up, I didn't realize that our home was really, you know, the home you grow up in is what you think is common for everybody, right? Mm -hmm. And so, our door was always open. My parents always had an open guest room available. There was always a, a seat saved at the table for a nameless person that, you know, say there was a missionary in town that needed a place to stay or say a neighbor kid, you know, whose parents were working, didn't have dinner ready. You know, it was always, you know, sure, come join us. And mm -hmm. so I started realizing that was modeled by my parents that this was just part of everyday life. We had a drug addict recovering, um, you know, come and live with us for six months. We had at that time, it, you know, unwed moms. If you got pregnant in high school, a lot of times you were kicked out of your house, which yeah. grieves my heart. You know, that's mm -hmm. not the way it is now. But yeah. so it became kind of a, a safe haven for unwed moms. And so my parents have a heart for international students. They have had, um, you know, literally dozens and dozens of international students come and stay with them. And so that was modeled for me. And so it's amazing how what we model for our children embeds in them in the tapestry of who they are. Mm -hmm. um, and it was, I think, one of the things that I really want to point out, because I know some moms start thinking, well, I didn't have that model for me. I didn't. I, I don't know what I'm doing. This is all new. And some of the encouragement I give is that the beauty is that our legacy, it begins today. And so I had the privilege of being a second generation, uh, you know, believer, but my mom broke the, the poor modeling. Like she grew up in an alcoholic home with mm -hmm. the door was never open. She would be mortified to ever have anybody come over. So she didn't grow up with that model, but my dad and her, they started something new for their family. And so I want to give encouragement for those of us who are just starting out that this is a new legacy that you get to cast that generational vision for your own family and what that looks like. And it it's not going to necessarily look like having people coming in and living with you, right? That might right. be the next, next level at a different season in your life. Sure. But it might just start looking for, you know, hey, you're at church and you consistently see maybe a, a mom or even a single mom who seems really lonely and disconnected and maybe it's just that one invitation that you start saying, hey, you know, you want to come over um, after church? I've got an extra, you know, I've got some chili on. We'd love to have you. Or it just starts with those simple, simple baby steps. Well, and I love that too because I was, um, and it does start. It starts just with that one invitation. And I love that that's, 
I mean, that's what you said as your subtitle is how one invitation can change a generation. And I'm going to, I'm going to quote you again. I'm sorry. <laughs> At the end of your book, um, you were, you were telling a story about inviting someone over to your house and how y'all just really opened up with each other about your struggles. And um, I'm going to read it. It's about two or three sentences long, but it's really, really good. Um, you said, honestly, I don't know if we'll ever truly understand hospitality as an act of worship until we open the door when we are completely empty, unequipped, and convinced we have nothing to offer. By making space to dig deep into both the joy and sorrow of others, we give ourselves margin to experience the most important things. Opening the door when we aren't ready defines hospitality in the deepest sense of the word. It's the exact place that he wants us, God wants us, and he guarantees he'll walk right to the door with us. Mm -hmm. Love it. I believe that with every fiber of my being. I, you know, I was pretty intentional with picking the tag, how the tagline of the book, how Mm -hmm. one invitation can change a generation. Because here's, here's what I think we have allowed this notion of social entertaining to hijack the heart of biblical hospitality. Mm. We've allowed us to think that opening our door means that we are opening it to um, a lot of comparison and how beautiful is our table and how what's our tablescape and what foods are we serving. You know, no, that's entertaining. That's a one-and-done event. And what I'm trying to cast the vision for in Just Open the Door is not a one-and-done event, which is great. We all love to be invited to a, a super fun party, right? But that's not the legacy of hospitality, the generational legacy. We can't show up with this Pinterest perfect home all the time. That's exhausting. Mm -hmm. And so I found that when we overthink this notion of hospitality, when we, we get so overstressed and we're so worried about our house and we're, you know, worried that we're inviting people in to judge us when we kind of lay that all at the foot of the cross, and I don't mean to sound cliche, but when we kind of Mm -hmm. extend our hands and give it back to him and realize, no, this is about saying, hey, I want to gather. We are in an age where isolation and loneliness are two of the strategies that Satan is using, especially in the heart of women. Mm -hmm. We see everybody online and on Instagram and Facebook, everybody gathering, but that's not real life for most people. Most women... We are disconnected, and we're only connected online, which l- perpetuates a deeper sense of loneliness in our heart. So when we can start realizing that, no, I need to just say, hey, I'm never, my house is never going to be good enough. My food is never going to be ready, and that's okay because that's not what women are expecting. They're not coming and gathering because they want to be served this beautiful, you know, brunch They just want to get together. So if that means, you know, different seasons are going to look different. But if that means saying, hey, I've got four things of unfolded laundry. Come on over. Let's fold laundry together. Or maybe that means, you know, going first and just admitting I'm really struggling with getting dinner on the table. And that's always been one of my issues. And so years ago, I started what we called like this Kitchen Sisters Club, where once a month, I'd invite some of my girlfriends. We would each just be assigned a different recipe. We would bring over ingredients for that one recipe, and we would just get together, and we'd make meals once a month together in the kitchen. And it was like the old-fashioned quilting bee. It was so great. Oh, yeah. No, 
because we were getting things done that we were struggling with in the homemaking realm, but we were still gathering. And the house was a wreck because we were cooking together and nobody cared. And right. so you got to kind of identify what season you're in. It's going to look different. And kind of just like release the sense that hospitality is not about offering you know, an Instagram picture. It's about offering a safe haven, a warm welcome of just wanting kind of to do life together. Mm. That's good, girl. That's good. That's good stuff. Okay, let's kind of talk about the different stages that we are in. So I have some listeners that have babies that are pregnant with with ones on the way. I have some that are um, kids um, preschool age and then into elementary. And there's some that have teenagers and then some that have empty nest. What does hospitality, in your opinion, look like or what did it look like for you at each one of those stages? Okay, well, that is a really good question. And and like I said, there's no one way, you know, sure. to welcome people into our hearts, right? So yeah. I'll kind of give some examples of what I did, yeah. but it's going to look different. And in based on everyone's like passions or what they, you know, what they want to do. And one of the things I always hear too is, is everyone always says, well, I don't have the gift of hospitality. Mm-hmm. And I don't know where somehow we've think that some people have the gift and some people don't. And that's, again, I think it goes back to the difference between hospitality and entertaining. Mm -hmm. Yes, some people are better at, you know, creating a pretty environment or making meals. But when we look at scripture, especially when we look at Romans, where it says pursue hospitality, and then again, where in First Peter, it's talking about at the end of days, what are we going to do? We're going to be loving, we're going to be pursuing hospitality and welcoming, and we're going to be serving. And so I think when we realize it's not about a personality type, this is not about something that only the extroverts do, and the introverts don't have this gift. Because uh-huh. really, I'm, I'm finding some of the most hospitable, warm, welcoming people are my introvert friends. Yes. Right? It's just about inviting one person and then they listen. Sometimes, yeah, I'm an extrovert. Sometimes we feel like we got to spill the space, right? Yeah. <laughs> like talk all the time. Whereas my introvert friends, it's they have this beautiful gift of this ministry of presence where they can just kind of mm. sit with you when you went, you know, read that quote about just turning hospitality into this kind of presence and and worship. And so as we talk through this, look at your personality. Um, it is, it's a command to pursue hospitality. I feel all teachery when I say that, Um, but we make a lot of excuses and, and yet when we, there's something out there for everyone because he would never ask us to pursue hospitality if he hasn't completely equipped us and with everything that we already have in place. So yeah, you know, as a newborn or as a real young mom with little toddlers, I did little play dates, you know? I mean, I would just invite people over, and I don't know where we ever started thinking we have to clean our house so much, almost to the point where we're trying to make people think we don't have children, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, people know I have five kids. My house is never going to be spotless, and I never try to make it spotless. Yeah. Um, I mean, I have the cleaned up areas, so the bathroom's sure. going to be clean, the main kitchen's going to be wiped up. And but if you go into any, if you go take left and go into my dining room, there's going to be stacks of books. There's going to be things yeah. on the stairs. You know, it's sure. that. So I did play dates with you know little kid with when the kids were little mm-hmm. or 
trying to do those meal those meal days. Um, I did that frequently for many years because um, it just helped me be intentional about getting some things done. Um, I would do like busy be nights. I put this in my book because I've got a lot of lists of just creative suggestions where whatever stage, like during tax season, hey, well, let's just get together and if you've got to work on your taxes, bring your stuff. Or if you want to address envelopes for, you know, whatever, bring some envelopes. Just bring something to work on. And we would just sit around the table and get some things done that we needed to do. And then we'd have popcorn and, you know, really easy. Um, like as it. my kids got more into sports, um, I don't have the time to really go into it. But I looked at um, one of the chapters is hospitality on the go. And I think mm -hmm. that when we realize that, Walking a road of welcome is really about taking a hospitable, welcoming heart, the gift of invitation. You can do that anywhere. So mm. I started, I was spending a lot of time at the sports field. And when I started viewing the sidelines of the sports field as essentially um, hospitality on the go, it really changed everything. So I would bring an extra blanket to the sports field. I'd bring some um, snacks and started inviting women to join me on the blanket. And, um, you know, I remember one year that a couple ladies and I, we started a little walking group and I had a stroller, you know, my girls were tiny. And so during, um, sports, the three of us walked, we just walked the, mm. the sports field the whole time, pushing our strollers. And yeah. so there's lots of things that you start being creative with, you know, that you can do, um, during the high school years, and I will point out, my our hospitality very rarely looks like couple couples and dinner parties sitting down. Yeah. Um, even even though we're in a season now where I want to be doing that, mm -hmm. most of my hospitality, especially during the teenage years, um, and I'm still in them, looks like having kids in and out of the house. We are the home where I want everybody to hang out at. I yes. want to be able to um, have know the kids that my my kids are hanging out with. I also want to use it as an opportunity for discipleship and evangelism with um, you know kids that don't have a safe place to be. Um, and so I also did a lot with families. Um, so I would be the one who would step up, even though it was a pain, but I would step up to host a team cookout, or I would step up to invite families of my daughter's small groups to get, you know, it's important that we know the parents of the teens that our kids are hanging out with yeah, too. Yeah. It gives us a litmus test for, okay, you know, my daughter, Emma, who's about to turn 16, she wanted to um, spend the night at somebody's house. And she said, mom, they're a good Christian family, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm not one of those helicopter moms at all. In fact, I really believe in giving a lot of freedom to our kids until they break trust. So I always say, say hmm. trust but verify. I think it was a Ronald Reagan quote. Oh, I love that. <laughs> trust but verify because I've learned our boys paved the way for us that I was a little too trusting mm. and a little too naive with our, you know, mm -hmm. with some of our eldest. So now um, I needed to know the families and. Yeah was as if the Holy Spirit, I was so grateful because um, I said no to her spending the night at this one home that I didn't know about, that I didn't know them. Yeah. And she was very frustrated because everybody was spending the night 
And they were a good, you know, family. Um, they went to church. They went to the Christian school. So they checked all the right boxes. And, and come to find out later, you know, they were going through some really serious issues that I wouldn't have wouldn't have wanted my daughter to, you know, have been a part of sure. on that particular um, event. And so yeah. um, that's why I love, I mean, now obviously we, she goes over to lots of people's houses, but mm -hmm. it's just a good kind of thing for all of us as parents to just, you know, look into and yeah, definitely. know families of who, because there's just so much out there right now, mm -hmm. you know, and, there is. and know for those who have babies, I'm going way casting a vision, but no, that's good though. That's good to hear that because that is the culture we live in. Sadly, today that we do have to be um, guarded and just be wise. You know, yeah, because there's so much with movies and pornography, and, yes. and there's just so much out there that we just yeah. Yes, need. yes, yes. Those are really good tips. And I'm, what I'm thinking and what I'm hearing you is a lot of intentionality, a lot of purposeful planning. Yeah. And I think it doesn't have to be elaborate, like you said, but it is intentional. It is purposeful. Um, and I love, okay, let's kind of go back. I love how when I read this in your book, when you met your husband, when y'all were in, I think you were in college and you had already had this hospitality kind of mentality in your heart and your life because it was modeled by your parents as a kid. And then now as an, a, a college student or right after college, and uh, I think you and your roommate were going to have some people over for New yeah. Year's brunch. And then, uh, and you were like, oh, I'm just going to wear pajamas. And your hair was in like a high ponytail. And then here comes uh, your Mr. Wonderful walking in the door. And you're like, oh, you know. So I just love that y'all met in the midst of your being hosp hospitable to it's, your friends. That, isn't that the craziest story? So yeah, it. so we had been out of college. He had been out of college for a few years. And we were living in the Milwaukee, so a city. And so even more, more crazy is, you know, Milwaukee is a big city and the suburbs. So we're mm -hmm. talking, you could, someone could say they live in Milwaukee and you could still be an hour drive. From oh, wow. I mean, you know, if you talk suburb to suburb, you could still be an hour away. And I was in full-time ministry at the time and I had decided it was New Year's Day. And, you know, as any good single girl does, I, I wanted to be out and about on New Year's Eve. Yeah. I didn't want to host anything on New Year's Eve. So I said, let's do a brunch for just our close friends in ministry on New Year's Day. So I had invited, there was about 10 of our friends that were coming over. And um, I, yes, I was in flannel pajamas. <laughs> I really didn't have much makeup on. I had my hair in this high ponytail, but not a cute ponytail. We're yes. talking sprout <laughs> off the top of my head. Um, I love it. it. All of a sudden, the this guy who was also a volunteer in the high school ministry called, and he's like, Jen, she said, um, my roommate, he pretty much made him sound up. He is so hard up for any kind of friendship. He's in a he's an accountant, and he's going into work on New Year, New Year's Day, and he worked on New Year's Eve, and you know, I am expecting this accounting nerd that has, you know, <laughs> no, no social skills. To, and yeah. he goes, do you mind if he just comes to eat? I think it'll be good for him and he'll eat and then he'll yeah. go. And I, I said, sure, sure, sure. Well, yeah. all of a sudden this guy walks into my apartment <laughs> and I am like blown away. Okay. Yeah. I hate to admit that obviously his good looks, you know, yes. you know, kind of got me. <laughs> and 
but he was very kind. And so yeah. I greeted him and then, okay, I'll admit, I said, just a second. And I went in, <laughs> I took my glasses off. I put my contacts in, I put a little lip gloss on. Now I couldn't change because that would be yeah, way too, too much, obvious, yeah. right? Too much. Yeah. Um, but uh, the funny thing is, is all of a sudden he was literally, he told me later, he was planning on coming and going and his roommate had invited him because he was trying to set him up with another girl that was going to be there. Uh, we found out, I mean, he was in FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes in college, and uh, I was, and we just had so much in common. And because he had said he was not, he was working on his master's. He's work, he was working full time and getting his master's at night. And he had told himself that he was not going to date anybody or even look for anybody until uh, after he finished his master's. Oh, wow. And we found out, so the reason I tell you about the hour, you know, drive potentially is we lived five blocks away from each other. Oh, wow. We could drive to each other's house in <gasps> two minutes. So we said this was definitely the Lord because mm -hmm. we never would have met each other yeah. ever. Wow. So it, it was kind of fun. Well, and I love that he has come alongside you and you with him about hospitality. You know, I mean, I feel like you have to, you can be... Um, using your gifts uh, for hospitality, have people in your house, or to, like you said, on the ball field. But I feel like it's great when your husband comes along and is come alongside and saying, yeah, this is important to me. This is important yeah. to us as our family. I love that. And I think um, you bringing that up is important because I said one of the biggest questions I do get from women is, well, what my, my husband doesn't want to have an open house. You know, he's tired uh, when he comes from work. And, and that is a very, very real issue. And so um, we don't have time to kind of let go into the theology of hospitality. But for those of us who, you know, name Jesus as Lord, who are living a gospel-centered um you know, desire with our family. I think it's good to kind of approach our husbands very humbly and kind of lay out this biblical view of hospitality to try and cast a vision. Um, and there's also time and a place for it because my husband now, he works really long hours. And so there are going to be seasons that our door, I just want to make clear, we do not have people in and out of our house every day, all the time. Mm -hmm. There are seasons, even as modeled by Jesus, where he he withdrew, right? He mm -hmm. withdrew from the crowds for alone time and for prayer. And so the same is with us. We want to sometimes withdraw and fill, so that we can be filled. But here's the difference. There's buzzwords self-care. Everybody is writing books on self-care. Yeah. But I think sometimes we withdraw and worry about our own selves, our self-care and filling up. But then we forget that the purpose of refilling is so that we can go back and pour out. Mm. So there's going to be different seasons. And sometimes my husband, a lot of the hospitality is more just me, more me sure. with moms or young moms or different things. So I'm sensitive to that. But also, I think a lot of husbands don't want to, you know, do a cookout on the weekend because we give them a honey-do list that is five miles long. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, let's just be honest. Like, oh, honey, I invited the neighbors for a cookout on Saturday. Oh, and by the way, can you paint the front door and mm -hmm. hang a new chandelier and yes. this and this and this? And so yeah. Yeah. all of a sudden, our guys, it's not about just inviting someone over for a cookout. They hear, oh, my gosh, I have so much extra work to do. And so that's when mm -hmm. we need to be sensitive to the fact if we really want to, 
create this legacy of hospitality, it needs to be really simple. And sometimes it's a great excuse to get things done around the house, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but other times we just need to um, just make it really simple. Yeah. And, you know, not pile a lot of work on. That's good. That's a good word. That is a good word for sure, for sure. Okay, I want to kind of switch gears a little bit before we wrap up, but I want to say, as, I feel as like as women, we want to start huge. We want to make huge, big ripples and make a huge difference. But I love how you quoted on page 81. It really puts it in perspective. For me, it did. And I know for my listeners, this is going to be huge. Um, you said, becoming women of significance doesn't start with a microphone or a stage or even a blog following. It doesn't depend on special talents or a larger-than-life personality. It begins by simply stating, Yes, Lord, I'm willing to be just one simple person. Here's my one door, my one table, my one sofa. Use them. Mm -hmm. That's huge. Yeah. It's huge. And I think um, I'm, I'm grateful that I had my kids before the age of social media. I mean, there's mm. so, so, so much good in it. And look at us, you and I, talking yeah. Because of social media, it's a wonderful thing. But there's so much comparison, and yeah. and there's so many little you know quotes and pretty graphics that hey we're world changers or leave a legacy. And so when I chose my tag, one invitation, it's because I want women to realize that a lot of times we say we want to raise world changers, we want to do these big bold splashy things for Jesus, and yet the I'm just going to step on some toes, but the bottom line is sometimes we don't even want to start with washing the dishes. We don't want to start with the small, insignificant, seemingly invisible things. And I never intended on writing a book. In fact, I'm kind of the accidental author in that they came to me and just said, would you consider, pray about writing this? Um, because. I never planned on sharing any of these stories. I never planned on, it was me behind the scenes with oatmeal in my hair and just, you know, letting one college girl come and live with us or letting um, high school boys sleep on my thrift store sofa. It was a lot of little things that nobody ever knew about. And so now I'm so grateful for the opportunity to link arms with women and try and spur them on. But for those of you guys who have, you know, young kids, I am more passionate than ever that what you are doing right now in those moments where we feel so unseen are the most important moments. And they go back to when we feel completely unqualified, when we feel in over our head, when we feel like we have nothing to offer. That's when the Lord uses us in such powerful ways. And we only have to look to scripture to see how he always used the ordinary people like his disciples. They were not educated. They were the, the B team, right? They weren't the A splashy Pharisees. They were the B team essentially. And mm. they are the ones who shifted and shaped the culture of their time. And so I, I'm coming to you a little later. I just turned 50. Ah! Oh, a lot of the seeds you're planting now, you may never know the mm. outcome, but I've had the opportunity to just hear some stories of seeds that our family planted 20 years ago, 30 years ago, and now that they're starting to 
root and, and they're starting to bloom and things are coming full circle. And so I want to spur you guys on that in the midst of being the best, you know, booty wipers, nose blowers, <laughs> meal makers, <laughs> all those things that you are, you're leaving a legacy, you're creating memories, you're, um, you're doing so much more. And right now it doesn't feel like it, but again, it just starts, sometimes it starts you know, our closest neighbor, if we want to talk about the great commandment, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Mm. Your kids are your closest neighbor. Yeah. And, and they are way too neighborly, like hanging all over you <laughs> most of the time, right? Um, it starts with your own home and laying that foundation. And then just taking that one step forward and inviting somebody else along to journey it with you, too. Hmm, that's so good. Well, and I was going to tell you, I was reading about Paul in the Bible this morning and how he used his gifts that God had given him, the gifts of him being a speaker and uh, a very direct um, speaker. And I feel like God has given you these gifts of being hospitable and doing this for years. Like you said, you weren't expecting to write this book. You've just been doing this on your own. You know, you've been doing this for years with your five kids, with your husband. And I love how God has gifted you with that very well, very practically, and how now you are using it for the glory of God and saying, just open the door. That's all you got to do. And I love that about you. And I know that he is blessing that. And I think that it's huge. It's huge. Well, well thank you so much. And I, I want to share this one verse because most people don't think of it as a hospitality verse, but it's kind of become one of my core verses, and that's First Thessalonians two nine, and it just says, "Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well." And I think so often we think that discipleship or evangelism or all those big, you know, Christian words—it's about head knowledge or. Um, you know, sharing our story, but through only a head knowledge. And here it says, no, it's because we've tasted and seen like the Lord is good, then we should want to share our lives with others to be able to demonstrate his great love for us. Mm, That's good. That'll preach. That'll preach. I love it. Oh, man. Okay. I want to ask you one more question before we do like the fun little lightning round of questions. Um, How have you been changed by opening your door mm, okay well that that's probably you know five podcasts in and of itself but <laughs> I, for me there's a lot of stories I could share but I'll specifically um, in the last few years I thought that I kind of knew everything there was not everything there was to know about hospitality but I lived it right I'd seen right. it my I I had this heart of hospitality when they approached me about writing Just Open the Door. Um, But then as I started digging in to the scripture, so for your readers, I wrote the book, the the trade book first, and then they followed up and LifeWay said, hey, would you write this Bible study for for us? So I have a separate Bible study. Yes, I saw that. It looks great. And I literally, I... I have been a believer for decades. I mean, I, you know, prayed the sinner's prayer when I was four years old. So I grew up in a home. But one of the things I've struggled with over the years is just apathy because you hear the same verses or the same stories again. And even though I've never doubted his word to be true, there were seasons where I was just 
apathetic and going through the motions. And sure. it's amazing how over the last few years, as I've, as I've gone super deep into the theology of hospitality, where the first, you know, he welcomed the first hospitable thing ever done was in Genesis, where he welcomed us into the garden. I mean, and then it's it goes all the way through scripture to ending in Revelation where we are going to party and gather around the marriage feast of the, you know, the table. And so as I dove into um, this whole theology of hospitality, I really had a mini revival. I am not mm. even kidding you. When we say that the word is alive and active, holy cow, I started reading verses in new ways that I had never seen. And so I think that has probably been one of the ways that I've been changed the most is just this new revival has stirred up in me about something that I thought, oh, I'm just welcoming people into our home or, you know, welcoming them on the sidelines or a cookout, but it's been so much more. It's, it's going with me now in my everyday, into the grocery store, in the, wherever I am, I am seeing opportunities to, um, give this gift of invitation so that's great it's so good so needed okay i have three quick questions for you uh this is my eat read love segment so what are you eating what are you reading what are you loving okay what am i eating yes oh like my gosh i i am a carbaholic <laughs> i love my breads i love french fries tricked in, uh, dipped in chick-fil-a sauce yes. but, but i need to uh do a little carb detox so okay <laughs> Yeah. And then, so what am I reading? Yeah. Okay, I have a couple different books open right now. Okay. I, and some of them are just kind of mindless historical fiction. Okay. I feel like I've been doing a lot of studying, mm -hmm. and so I just have some historical fiction that I'm just reading through. Okay. And then what you say, eating, reading. And loving. And loving. Oh my gosh, loving. That's so broad. <laughs> I oh, know. I know what I'm loving. Okay, you're they need you you need to follow me on Instagram, Jen Schmidt underscore yes. beauty and love them. I am loving. I hosted this big brunch at our church this Yes, uh, I saw that. I had a vision for this donut wall. Yes, the donut wall. Now the donut wall is my favorite thing ever. We mm -hmm. had like it, you can put 200 donuts, so everyone needs to go because you can't fully appreciate it until you see it. I agree. So I am loving the donut wall. Yes, I love that. Okay, we kind of went this way, but tell us where we can find you and what's next for Jen Schmidt. Okay, well, I probably need to get back on my blog a little bit more, but there's 10 years of of writing on there. Lots mm. of it is on Frugal Living, Easy Recipes. That's at beautyandbedlam.com. Okay. Um, but mainly I hang out at Instagram at yeah. Jen Schmidt. Um, and what is next? That is a good question. I'm doing a lot of just traveling and speaking and kind of encouraging the hearts of women as they encourage me with some of their stories. Um, I don't right now, I would love to write more on motherhood. I don't know probably if I will do another book. There's, mm -hmm. there's just so much out there right now. I don't want to be just another voice in a book. And so, mm -hmm. um, so we'll see. Well, I don't know what's next right now. I'm just kind of loving linking harms with moms and women and encouraging them. Well, you, you sure have encouraged me through your blog from years ago and through your book, Just Open the Door. Y'all need to get it. I will put all of this in the show notes 
um, yeah. and your book and your blog and all of the things where people can reach you on Instagram. But thank you so much, Jen, for encouraging me to just open my door. Well, and I did forget, if you want to come and hang out with us in real life, I host the Becoming Conference in Asheville at yes. the end of July, and it's all things fun and furniture painting and meal planning and traditions and hand lettering, and it's just an ultimate girls weekend getaway. So I love it. Now, when is that? That is July 26th through the 28th. Okay, wonderful. I'll put that also in the show notes. Yay. Okay. Thank you so much, Jen. Is there anything else you want to leave us with about hospitality or anything that maybe we failed to mention? I'm excited because I think when you guys take your first baby step, you will be amazed in one year, five years, 20 years. I can't wait to hear the stories that you're going to have to tell about your open door living. Thank you so much, Jen. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Okay, see ya. Okay, bye-bye. Oh, my goodness. I loved chatting with Jen so very much. I love when I can read someone's book and then actually talk to them about it. It is such a privilege, and I am so grateful for her to give me some time in her day to chat with me. Okay, y'all, we have so much coming up on the podcast for you. So don't miss a thing. Make sure you subscribe to my newsletter at renrobbins.com. Go check out your podcast app on your phone. Subscribe to the Friends of a Feather podcast. And each episode every week will drop into your app on your phone. We have a great Friends of a Feather community over on social media. I would love to connect with you over there on Facebook, on Pinterest, and on Instagram. Okay, remember, we're all Friends of a Feather, so let's stick together. Have a great week, and I'll see you next time. Bye, friends.